that's the thing about the ending, right? It's he's in. I think you're just going to have to remember with Jordan Peele movies that he's not going to go for the perfect visual Hollywood ending. He's going to give you the ending he needs to make his point. Honestly, hearing that makes a lot of sense now. The chews them up, spits them out, like all that is is exactly probably what this movie's about. And when I was saying just a minute ago, Emerald being pulled back from the allure of fame, it's like it's more than he just saved her from the alien, but it's like a good brother keeping her away from Hollywood. Hollywood. No, that that makes perfect sense. I I, I love this movie now. Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Travis. And I'm George. Hey, George, I've got another favor to ask. I know that I ask a lot of favors of you, but could you please attend this live show I'm going to try out in the desert? I think it's going to go great. I'm going to have my family there. We're going to have children there. We might dress them up in costume. I'll have a horsey. Everybody loves a horsey. Also, you might get eaten by an alien. How you doing, George? <laughs> <laughs> also, you might get eaten by an alien. And spit back I'm, out in a tremendous I'm doing, fashion. I'm doing okay, man. Uh, Travis, that, how's it yes, going sir. on the Nope Farm for you? Uh, it's going great. I've, I'm on my fourth horse. Fantastic. We wow. watched Jordan Peele's Nope. And uh, obviously, these two hadn't seen it before. And I will just warn you right away, you shouldn't have even listened to that part. Of the intro, if you haven't seen the movie, nope, uh, go watch it. I'm sure it's streaming on some service. And then uh, jump right back in. Yeah, it's on the cock. It's on Peacock. It's on, peacock. <laughs> it's on the gack. It's on Peacock. peacock. <laughs> so check it out. Jordan Peele's Nope from last year, 2022. Uh, I'm just going to preface this episode by saying it's probably the scariest movie I've seen since Us, which has really grown in in my memory as really scary and also good and i think at some point i'm going to apologize for making fun of it earlier in the show uh i'm a fan of the first first half of that movie i think the second half is brilliant but i didn't realize it till later and i i blame my own dumb brain but i think that was by design but guys we're not talking about us we're talking about yeah i've I've never seen us so Ooh, we'll get there. Yeah, we should probably give you the the trifecta of of Peel movies, and that way you can okay compare the three. Because I've I, now seeing this, I have seen all three. So, this guy Peel, Jordan Peel, Jordan, Jordan Peel, has only done three movies. Well, he's done four. Uh, one of them, I don't know if he counted as a director. It was called Keanu. And was about a uh, pet cat that gets kidnapped. It was a Key mm. and Peel movie. Yeah. Okay. So, but you're familiar with Key and Peel? Uh, vaguely. He's Isn't that the... like a, a like a comedy sketch? Yeah. Yes. Crew kind of thing. And you know the A A Ron bit. Yes. All right. So Jordan Peel is the one who says present at the end. He says his name. Mm. He's like present. 
the 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 show Key and Peele. Oh, yeah, that's was yeah, Keegan yeah. Michael Key and Jordan Peele. Uh, they were both Mad TV alum. Okay, and then had gone together and done like probably the funniest sketch show of that era. Like mm. just every sketch, just winners and winners and winners. Wonderful yes. show. And Keegan has stayed on this path of doing comedy, some drama, but mostly comedy. And Jordan Peele was like, hey, I'm going to go make the scariest horror movies anybody's making right now. Okay, that's really cool. Um, Yeah, I I did not know that. I knew Key and Peele. Like, I knew they were funny. Mm-hmm. Like, we got this guy that works for us. His last name is uh, Hankel. Oh, okay. There and you go. Do you know the... Uh, Hingle like McRingleberry? The... Yes, Hinkle McCrinkleberry. <laughs> we call him Hinkle McCrinkleberry because the uh, the football players' names, like yes. when they come up on the screen and say their names, yes. like Campy will have like a, it's it's amazing. The only thing funnier than them doing that is uh, bad lip sync. Uh, oh, bad lip reading. A bad lip reading. Yeah, which is pretty much brilliant as well. So okay, so that's cool. So that's the same peel. <clears throat> yes, that's the same peel that made this movie, and this movie is not funny, not in the least. Okay, no, it's the, bits, it's the funniest of the three. It's the least. It's definitely the funniest of the three. It's something. Uh, they're all something, man. All right, Shoot, so this watch all these movies. Anyway, continue. I was gonna say, like, this is a heck of a movie. I want to see the other two, mm. like for sure. Some would say that this is the weakest of the three. It is. So this is um, this is the latest one that he did. He did two this prior, is the most yep. recent. Yeah. Okay. Cool. First one is the one that kind of put him on the map. And everybody's like, oh, okay. This guy okay. has a thing. Yeah, he this guy's style. not being funny at all. We are all not happy about how not funny this man is right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a poltergeist situation. It's like, oh, let's go take kind our kids of. to this funny movie. There's a little bit no. of poltergeist in this movie, too. A little the, bit. The trailer didn't ever uh, come off as funny. So I, it, people went to see it. We're not going to see funny. Yeah, it was more like morbid curiosity. Like, okay, we're doing scary, but we're we got the funny guy doing scary. Like, how how scary is it gonna be? And then they're like, oh, yeah, this is real good. Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah, kind of like kind of like this can't be good. And then you watch it, and you're like, damn. Yeah, it's like when you make ET, and then you make Poltergeist. That's exactly <laughs> what I just said. <laughs> Shut <That's> up. <laughs> All right. But yeah, so this movie, Nope, comes out. The posters and stuff, the previews were all very cryptic. They didn't tell you what you were about to see. And I intentionally Mm. went in blind, you know, like a person does. And I remember the cover of the movie. I think I I bought it before I watched it, if I remember right. And the cover of the movie is him kind of looking up. I was like, oh, that's interesting. What's what's up there? You know? So that worked Mm. on me to... Get the curiosity going, but yeesh, guys. Kind of kind of made you want to look up, too. Well, and then, guys, the opening of this movie is not about aliens at all. No. And I was just no. like, oh, this beginning is phenomenal. Can I just say that's the movie I wanted to watch? <laughs> <laughs> and I was mad at the end that I didn't get more of that I mean, story. how much more face-eating and head-bludgeoning did you need? I don't need? know. But it was just, what was the movie we watched where, um, oh, when we watched uh, Road Games. Remember yeah. I said the opening scene in Road Games, I wish the whole movie had that ambiance and that feeling from the hotel room where he was, you know, doing his thing. It was very I forget, just film I noir. the opening scene. She's just playing was... guitar naked and he comes okay. up behind her with a guitar string and 
but it's like the, yeah, it's okay. shot in shadows and it's very yeah. artistic. And then mm-hmm. the rest of the movie's kind of like uh, watching vacation. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I was I was like when I was watching this opening, it just it was so eerie. Yeah. And it reminded me of like if they ever remade Cujo, I would love Jordan Peele to make Cujo because of the just the feel that he gave that scene without saying a word. Yeah. And setting the tone. And it was almost like it was a totally different tone than the rest of the movie for me. I know the commentary, what they were saying, you know, you can't control this and that and you know, natural world and yeah. all that crap. But I was just watching that and I'm like, that's that story is so good and so basic, but yeah, I want to watch that movie. Props to the uh, to the monkey actor. It was really I good. Was CGI. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know that he would have been really good with a razor blade, in my opinion. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, where was Donald? I Pleasance? wonder if he could talk to bugs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, he just you know he ripped his birthday hat off at just the right time. Mm-hmm. He had like the whole monkey scratching his head, you know, like all the mannerisms were there. It's great, great monkey actor. Did they get a um, what's his name to do that? The guy who plays Gollum. Yeah. Yeah. Andy Serkis was he the chimp in this? Movie? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> no, it was a CGI chimp, everybody. Yeah, but it could have been a motion cat. It could have been. Mm. That would be cool. We should look into that and see if it was what it was. Well, it could have been any of those guys that did the Planet of the Apes movies because they had like six or seven guys that were, you know, pretty damn good at it. So I wonder, I'm going to look it up and see. I don't think it was Andy Serkis, but it had to be one of those guys. Anyway, so yeah, that set the tone, definitely. That and that, that damn shoe. And I don't know why that shoe creeps me out so much. It's so like in the background that if either of you said, what shoe? I saw the shoe. I wouldn't be surprised. I saw the shoe, but my eye kept going right to the. the I later, found out it was a mylar balloon, but it looked like a it looked like a skull. It did laying on the it floor. It looked and like, like a like a skull with the head off. with the face ripped off of it. Yeah, but yeah. then when they recap the scene and they show you from the beginning, you can tell it's a balloon that fell. Right. But I the whole time I'm thinking it was a skull, so I kind of I didn't miss the shoe, but I was more focused on the head. And I think, you know, there's... I don't even know, like, did they... <clears throat> sorry. Did they ever pay off the shoe? Yeah, it's hanging on his wall in that back room. No, no, no. I, I get that, but, like, what? Wh- why was the shoe balanced like that? I think they just wanted to call it back. The fact that... I think that's when you realize that he was the kid in the room. But that's that it. Shoe, that's all the shoe's for. But it's it, but the, the way shoe it's defies sitting there. physics in the way that yeah. it hangs yeah. there in such a way that it's like it makes me uncomfortable to think about now. And I've seen the movie twice, <laughs> yeah. and like, I can't I, explain I, it. This movie gets into my my. Does it ooh. represent like frozen, like a a, a moment frozen in time? Because he does when he's giving them the tour. He says six minutes and thirteen seconds. Like he was so specific. Six minutes and thirteen seconds of chaos. Yes. No, I, I, what I thought was that maybe the, uh, the extraterrestrial, you know, some kind of phenomenon like that was happening, which is like what was setting the monkey off, but apparently nothing, not, no, I don't think that the two are connected. 
Think, right. Yeah. So that you know, in the movie, it never it uh, it never links the two events. Um, I don't think. And I've looked so that, around. That kind of I've read quite a bit online me. about the shoe, and I've never found anyone who could give me a satisfactory answer. Hmm. But if I were to take a stab at it, and I'm not the thing about this movie, it is so kind of ethereal in its presentation that there are times that I'm going to tell you things that I feel, but I can't prove. And this is one of those times. Mm. I get the impression that the shoe standing up on its end is like fucked up and shouldn't have happened, right? It defies physics. It should make you feel uncomfortable, but it's hard to pay attention to this, this thing that this phenomena that's occurring because of the spectacle of this violence, right? Like you're, the violence keeps pulling your eye away and you look back, you're like, Ooh, shoe mundane, but like not oh violence. Like you can't stop looking at the spectacle. And I think that's going to be tying you in back to like to the biblical verse that starts the movie, right? That I will mm. cast abominable filth upon you, make you vile and make you a spectacle. Right. And this ongoing thing, with the theme of like horrifying spectacle contrasted with these desires for fame and, and power. So that's about the best I've got, but it's no, I haven't seen anything better online. So, so there. Okay. Hmm. It was nice to see Glenn as a little boy. Yes. That was cool. Or as he's called in this movie, Jupe. Jupe. Dan, did you recognize him from anything else? Uh, no, but I, is he on Community? Because if you recognize him that quick, do you really not recognize Jute from anything else? He's never seen it. No, I don't. He doesn't watch it. I love sitting in the chair that you normally sit in. <laughs> so what is he, Glenn, on? Oh, is he on your show? He's on The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead, not Community. He is, the other he's show. one of the one of the biggest characters on the show. He is when he met his maker on that show. After that everyone stopped watching. Oh, really? Yes. Huh. He was one of the two Negan fatalities where Negan actually like kind of plays the role of the chimp in this movie. Mm, yes. And instead of getting shot in the head right before he kills Glenn or Jupe, uh, he just fucking bashes his head and went up a baseball bat. So. Oh, wow. Okay. I remember the, the, because at the time, my coworkers were into the show, and I remember there was the big cliffhanger where he bashed someone's head in, but we didn't know whose. Was that Glenn? Yes. Hmm. Spoiler yes. alert for a 10-year-old show. Spoiler alert. Yeah, it's a 10-year-old show. You can't spoiler alert it. And, uh, and Abraham as well. Interesting. Wow. Both casualties. It, um, it is a Planet of the Apes actor. Mocap actor, yes. Nice. Ter- Terry Notary. Is, Terry? It ter- is it Terry or Notary? <laughs> Terry Notary. That's his name. No- no- Which no- is Terry? Notary. Terry Notary. It's like is Sherry it, Terry. Is, it, is, it, <laughs> yeah, is it Terry or Notary? I'm just saying. It's spelled Who's notary. on first? I just don't know which ape he played. But he was also in Kong Skull Island. So he's a mocap guy. Cool. And The Hobbit. 
Well, he did an excellent job convincing me not to trust that ape anywhere near me. Hmm. Yikes. Uh, did you guys notice that the applause sign continues to flash through that entire scene? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's so fucked up. Yes. So good. Ooh. This whole movie is just <laughs> boo. I don't know. But you can't like look his, away, uh, right? His good friend, his, the uh, the female actor that mm. also survived that. Oh, God. When her... The I love wind. when her veil blew up. Exactly and when the wind her lips takes were gone. Yeah, when the wind <laughs> takes her veil up and you see her face. It's you like, know, oof. and there must have been something in the trailer that indicated that that was gonna be a thing, right? I don't remember if it showed her with the veil down or what, but I knew from the first time I watched it from the back when they first show that event, you can see her veil blowing around from the back, and I remember mm. focusing on that veil, thinking, "Hell, oh, I hope they don't show what's under that veil." Well, what's funny back then when pe- when that trailer came out, people were speculating because it's Jordan Peele. It's kind of like a Shyamalan. Like everybody assumes it's going to be yeah. twisty, and uh, they're thinking, "Oh, what are they doing? Cloning humans with horses? Is she a horsewoman?" Like they were all saying these different things, and it's like, "Okay, you're you guys were way off." Yeah, they weren't <laughs> even close. Yeah. Wow. I purposely didn't go see it because I just wasn't. I wasn't sure what it was going to be. And I'd already had a bad taste in my mouth from from us. So I was like, all right, I'll just wait till it comes out on regular television. I'll watch it. And then I just never did. How about um how about Jupe's uh jacket when he came out for the show? Did you notice That's good stuff? The back of it? No, what did, what was on the back? You didn't notice the uh the saucer on the back of his jacket? No. With a beam coming out of the bottom of it, like it was That's all, awesome. it was all jeweled, like it was like Western style. Right. But like, there's like a right between his shoulder blades. There's a well, if you think about it, like when when uh, OJ's father died, yeah, the alien already exi- Well, the creature was already existed, right? I think we can call it an alien. Okay. It's it's an extraterrestrial animal. Animal, right? It's like a kaiju. It's like a. It's, it's an alien. It's a creature. Sure. That disguises itself as, I don't know if that's a spoiler alert. Do we just go there? Yes. I mean, it's you organic. Should, you should have watched this movie before yeah. listening to this podcast. It's organic. So, because Otis was selling, was dealing with Jupe before his death, which means Jupe had already given horses to those aliens. Because when the things fell out of the sky, it was coins and keychains and necklaces and stuff, right? Yeah, it had already eaten yes. people. So it had already eaten a crowd or two. Mm, or th- or humans. Three. It had like, eaten humans. I don't know that he, we have any indication well, that he'd like thrown a party and got a bunch of people eaten like he would later. Well, the only reason I say that is because towards the end, when Emerald is, is looking to unleash the big Bob's big boy balloon, which I was not a fan of, but... Okay. Mm-hmm. Kind of Batmanish. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, he took my balloons. Um lucky you didn't she, get shot down on the way up by an F22. She's right. That's true. She starts, you know, pushing her hands through the dirt to grab coins for the the photo machine. Yes. And there's just coins all over the place. Yes. Which implies that that thing had already eaten and dropped coins, right? 
Well, those crap. coins could have come out of the wishing well thing, too. I mean, there's a lot of places those coins could have come from. Okay. It just, to me, it seemed like there's a lot of foreshadowing in this movie, and they foreshadowed uh, the the coins by having yeah. the coin be in the evidence bag, and that's what went through his father's head. So, uh, it's to me... evidence Bag. Whatever the ba- yes. the the belongings bag, the, the biohazard, yeah, the biohazard bag. belongings yeah. bag. Like, oh, here, here's all your dad's belongings, including the coin that went through his. While head. we're talking yeah. about the dad, uh, shout out to Keith David, friend of the yes. show, George. Do you remember him from the thing? Uh, no. He's the guy at the end with Kurt Russell, where they're both like, "You're probably the thing. Yeah. Let's yeah, drink they to both it." Think they're infected? Wow. Yeah. He's That's, also. He's also. In they live. Yeah, which is one that we'll have to watch here soon. Yes. He's been around. Oh, and he's also, how'd you get the beans above the Franks? <laughs> I never would have recognized him from that. Yeah, he's the dad. <laughs> he's so good, man. Something about Mary. <laughs> yeah, there's something about How'd you get the above the Franks? He is the most like pretentious Hollywood actor personality in interviews, and then he's in all these wacky roles. I love it. Mm-hmm. He's always like, yeah. you know, he's got like a scarf and yes, my method for acting, <laughs> you know, and then he, <laughs> how'd you get the big <laughs> I love it. Uh, he's just, how'd you sign? He's how'd so you get the cool. beautiful Frank? Yeah, so good. Oh, shit. <laughs> now I was reading an article because I, I, this is a complex enough movie that I actually had to do some, some outside reading to make sure that I wasn't completely off base. And something I had never considered uh, this was an article, just uh, if anybody wants to read, on Vox, uh, like a nope review and explainer kind of thing. What I'd never caught on to before uh, in my previous watchings was that Jupe, when he goes to talk about the incident, never actually discusses the incident. He no. only discusses the SNL version yeah. of yes. the incident. Corky Romano. And then when it... Chris Kattan. Yeah, do you know who Chris Kattan is? Because if you don't, you need to have the visual image of him to understand how perfectly cast he would be as that murderous he used to monkey. play. He used to play a chimp named Poppers on SNL. And he actually did a skit with The Rock. And if you have never seen it, you have to freaking see it. Okay. That he might be a, a pause the show and show it to George real quick <laughs> moment. Like right now? Yeah, like right now. Can you okay. go on there or you want to do it on your phone? Just pull it. Uh, he can pull it up real quick. <laughs> do, wait, how should I search for just this? Just do pop, Poppers. Is that, I think it was the name of the monkey. Poppers and The Rock, SNL. It should come up. Peepers. It was Mr. Peepers. Peepers. Not Poppers. Peepers. Mr. Peepers and Papa Peepers? Yep. That would do. All I know is he starts humping The Rock and it's I'm all over. I'm all bummed. <laughs> How do they keep a straight face for my question? So that's Chris Kattan Not the big muscly one, that's The Rock uh, The littler guy Yeah, duh It's hard to tell them apart when they're both going full Amazonian uh, Whatever they were Sure, sure, I guess, yeah So you, you can see why Mentioning that guy as being cast as the murderous chimp In the SNL version of the murder that happened, uh, the calamity that happened on the set of that. Yes. Uh, you, you can see why it's such a perfect callback for this movie. How interesting that Jupe, clearly from the way that you see him, you know, flashback to the incident multiple times. Like, he yeah. hasn't yet dealt with his trauma. 
and yet he still manages to like commercialize the incident not yeah. just through the family show and the hey you know me from that show where that monkey killed all those people but also his like creepy hidden yeah. bat cave area that he rented out for a couple to spend the night in for whatever reason Ugh. Um, yeah it was weird so weird it's it's crazy that he like he thought of making that scene into an SNL skit like that's a really weird thing to think of knowing Peel he probably came up with that scene with with Gordy from watching Chris Kattan on SNL. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, wouldn't it be crazy if somebody was... Because I remember in the... Was it the ni- late 90s, early 2000s when that woman had the 911 call where the other woman's pet chimpanzee just basically ripped Chewed her face, face, her face off? off. Yeah. That was in the 2000s. Yeah, so it was like... That's probably back when when Kattan was doing this. So early 2000. Yeah. So that was a big... It's really... That's really specific. But remember, yeah. Jordan Peele comes the from... The way Jupiter remembers it. Like, the the mad TV background, right? Yes, right. yeah, of course. So it, yes. like, it all plays into like his own life experience mixed with awful real-life incidents of nature kind of biting back. But then, yeah, the, the Catan reference is so perfect. I don't know, man. It, well, not only... the like It's so perfect that when, when Jupe was describing the skit... I thought it might be an actual skit. Like, not right. just the characters, but the skit he was <laughs> describing, I thought might have been a real SNL skit. I think... I, I, I would I would love to ask Jordan Peele this, but I think he kind of based Jupe a little bit on Carl Denham from King Kong. Just like a... like Almost like a showman that's just after the big buck. Yeah. And using you know, a situation to capitalize. Like, he's yes. just capitalizing on it. And then, obviously, gets bit in the ass because he, unlike OJ, who doesn't make eye contact, that's his whole thing, he's, he's, he's even before he realizes not to look at the creature, he's, he's very um, introvert. So he doesn't really make eye, t- eye contact anyway, even before he realizes that it's an animal thing. Where Jupe, on the other hand, because he witnessed that situation and then felt that this chimpanzee didn't attack him because he made eye contact, that that's what he does. He puts himself out there, this sacrificial horse, to bring down the, cre- the alien for, for his you know, paying customers, and he makes complete eye contact with this thing, which is the opposite of what, what OJ does. When he doesn't realize, when Jupe doesn't realize that he wasn't making eye contact with uh, Gordy because the tablecloth was blocking the eyes. Right. Okay, here's the thing. I didn't like this part of the story because I think that in real life, making eye contact is exactly what you want to do with a predator. I've always heard that you don't make eye contact with predators because it can when I make take it them, as a challenge. Yeah. Okay. So when the predator is like I'm thinking of like videos that I've seen online of like someone being stalked by a mountain lion. Yeah. 
and they're backing up. Like they have their camera and they're backing up. They're not running away because then you get then you get dead. Right? right? They're like the way you make a mountain lion back off make yourself bigger. is you make yourself bigger, mm-hmm. you make yourself loud, like you kind of, you don't turn around. You have, I mean, backing up is probably a good idea, mm-hmm. but like, you know, no, you show the predator that you are also a predator. Like that's right. You know, so I think they're going it, more like when, when a dog is coming at you, a dominant dog, an alpha male. Mm-hmm. If you make eye contact, they take that as a challenge, and that will make if them more aggressive. If it's just roaming around... Chimps are the same way. If it's just roaming around, and you make eye contact with it, yes. If it's coming at you, and you're trying to make it back up, you make eye contact with it. Hmm. Like, you do. So, I thought that that's where this was going to go. Like, I thought that... um, I thought that OJ was going to break the thing in the sky like they've broken every horse that they've trained mm-hmm. right break it you know what i mean submit exactly show it that i'm a predator and don't mess with me and that was going to be like the thing right that's not how the movie went but that's how i thought it was going to go yeah, but remember, pretty early on, they point out, like, you know, horses aren't predators. With predators, you can't just train them. So they, they, they gave you a text of that to, to dissuade you yeah. from assuming he was going to be riding that alien by the end of the movie. Yeah. Which would have been well, hilarious. Yeah, no, no, true, true. But, I mean, like, I'm not saying he would be riding the alien. I'm saying that, like, he would make the alien leave. You know what I mean? I I don't know some yeah. some something like that. I mean, I, I guess essentially, eventually they do, but I'm like not super thrilled with the ending. But it, I wouldn't say like that the movie is is bad because of the way it ended. But like, I think it suffers from what all his movies suffer from. What's that? They are phenomenal ideas. They are executed beautifully. Like the cinematography in this movie is amazing. All his movies, like we didn't even get to the eerie shit that he did with the the kids, the prank scene. Oh my god, the barn! Oh god, Ooh. yeah, in the in the stalls. That like, was so good. Like that is straight out of us, like creepy as shit. Like that's kind of shit that I thought the whole movie was gonna be, and it wasn't. Um, he just doesn't know how to end a movie, story wise. I think it gets to me it gets um it's almost like at the end he's got you know how when you build a build an IKEA furniture and it looks great on your wall and then you look over to the side and you have a bag of stuff. Like, <laughs> I I feel like with him he still has a lot he wants to say and there's just not enough movie left so the end seems kind of rushed or jumbled yeah. in my my opinion. Yeah. Even with this it was such a great story, great movie. But it it just got to a point where it's like, okay, now that he has to have his crescendo Indiana Jones hero moment, and it's like a Bob's big boy balloon gets I'm, inhaled by this alien. And I'm really disappointed that um that ghost was um taken by mm-hmm. the uh 
by the thing because I really, really, really wanted a chase scene with OJ riding a white Bronco. Yes. But <laughs> it didn't happen. Yeah. I was waiting for that joke too and it I, didn't happen. It didn't I was happen. Like, Come on, where's a Bronco? But you know, <laughs> so is funny. what it is. If you just exchanged horses, if Lucky went up and Shadow was his even if he was coming, maybe if they had him go to the ranch, you know, the event ranch, and on his way back on the horse, he gets followed by, like, six squad cars. <laughs> that Yeah, for some reason. <laughs> At a slow pretty, pace. Oh, that geez. would be pretty funny. <laughs> so, you know, one thing. They clearly, wait, hold on. They clearly were doing the OJ joke, so we're not being, we're not being wrong here. Like, when that, that actress goes, your name's OJ? Like, she yeah, was like, yeah. they were completely making that joke. So, it just kind of was not. They didn't obviously they didn't push it far enough. So that's fine. I'm fine with it. But it would have been it would have been funny. Who was the uh, the weekend? Uh, he 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 just passed away recently. The OJ joke guy from Weekend Update. Oh, Norm Macdonald. Norm Macdonald. Oh God. It's a shame that he wasn't <laughs> alive to be a part of that scene. Scene, yeah. <laughs> it would have been good. It's like his where, name is OJ. Could, could you imagine if <laughs> Norm Macdonald delivered the line? Yeah. His name's OJ. <laughs> like that's yeah. so funny. He so said good. it's OJ. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think I think he's, what you're he identifying can't catch his alien because he's too busy doing whatever. I think what you're identifying, Travis, is you know, there's a consistency Killing within his wife. <laughs> allegedly, that's what I was getting to. That's what I was getting to. Uh, <laughs> But I think there's something that you've identified a thing, Travis, in Jordan Peele's movies that he doesn't end it on the text a lot of times. He ends it like the story for him ends in the subtext more than it does in the text. And so it's one of those things where I think if you watch the movie again after we've talked about it a little bit more, you might feel more satisfied in the ending. Uh, You may also just be like, hey, I got all this shit left over. Why why is my shelf... (laughs) Already done. Yeah. Um, I I think visually I just didn't I didn't like the crescendo. It was a little corny for me. But like here's her hurry blowing that thing up with a balloon, and then like I think the getting the shot was good, and her using the oh you know, yeah the, the foreshadowed you know uh, when she did the photo bomb like using that stuff was fine. I just thought the I mean guys the, photo bomb photo bomb come on. That's pretty the, good. The creature, this was my other issue. The creature was more, it's almost like Jaws. The creature was scarier until you saw it in full. Then it almost looked angelic. It looked like the one of the underwater creatures from the abyss. Like it wasn't, it was almost yeah. like beautiful. And it, to me. It was. I, in its full monster form, it had like a Mothra feel, like, a, a, like an old Godzilla movie. It wasn't. Uh, I enjoyed more the mystery of its like cloaking of being a, a spaceship. You like the cloud and, with the bubble go, going in the shadows, like not even the 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 daytime cloud bubble, but at night the scenes at night when it was like sh- shifting from cloud to cloud and you just kind of seen it go. Like I I enjoyed the mystery of it in the broad daylight, an- angelic explode, you know, inhaling with this geometric mouth. Like it just to me was too spectacular. Yeah, it didn't. It it didn't do it for me. It almost looked not spectacular in a good way. Like it was almost like yeah, uh, not not good uh, spectacle. We're back to the gaudy. subtext. It was again. like gaudy. It was like a spectacle. It was gaudy. But it's it was that thing. Like, it's the subtext it like a coming back again, where 
you know, what it, it's, it's literally presenting itself, you know, yeah. in that final scene with the horse chase and what it's doing where it's, it's basically like showing what is essentially an old TV shaped, you know, square, spectacular square, spectacular square. It keeps changing is a way to like maintain eye contact with its prey. Okay. It is the spectacle of kind of the, the deeper meanings of a lot of these things in a way that just sucks you in uh, in a literal fashion. And that's why, and we'll get more into that, I think, but it's why the balloon actually, for me, works more than I thought it would, right? Because if you told me big inflated balloon and it eats it and it dies, I'd be like, oh, what about missiles? I like missiles. Why a balloon? Mm. But it's because it has a face on it. Now, earlier in the movie, yeah. we have that we we establish that the creature can't distinguish between a real horse and a bait horse, right? Mm. The decoy. So again, we know it's not necessarily going to be able to tell the difference between a real human and a decoy human. So when that big boy burger pops up with its face and its eyes locked in the direction of that alien, the alien takes the bait. It makes sense within the closed system of the movie. (laughs) Why did the balloon explode? And how come the alien didn't just spit it out? I think just like the indigestion it got from the prey horse and the flags, you know, this thing had four times the flags and was a slip, slippery balloon. So it gave it like a super fart from all the indigestion. That seems unreal. <laughs> it's an alien shaped now uh, like the sails of a ship where previously it, it was like a disc with a butthole. It sounds a lot like he had an amazing idea and didn't know how to end it. That's what it sounded like to me. Yeah. Like, yeah. he didn't want to do the missile thing because it's been done. He didn't want to do the virus thing because it's been done. So it's like, okay, we we go Which, along the, the lines of the face because he had the, the celebrating, you know, wind tube creatures. Yeah. That the, so that was Which an ongoing those thing. those don't make sense either. And those are called wacky inflatable flailing arm, flailing <laughs> arm tube mans. <laughs> Exactly. Wacky inflatable flailing arm tube man warehouse emporium is probably where they went to get it. But um <laughs> those those don't make sense either. Because if you're trying to get this thing to come out, we've already established that he doesn't like the flags. Aren't so these those nylon things, creatures or yeah, yeah, aren't those things basically just, you know, flags? Well, but isn't like the point... I would set those things up around my house if I wanted the thing not to come near me. Well, isn't right. the point of those to help them track where he is? Uh, yes, his EMP the point type was... system is, and also to be, you know, probably a little off, maybe a little extra, like keep away. Uh... I don't think they were supposed to be bait, right? They were supposed no, to be no, no, putting to him, but also they they were to see where the power was going. See out. where the power okay. was going out. Okay, so okay, yeah. You want to you want the thing to come out, but you put a thing out there that's going to be off-putting to it. That doesn't compute. I would have chosen something different, other than a wacky inflatable flailing arm tube man. Like say a light. If this was a Bruce Willis movie or a Will Smith movie, mm-hmm. he would have 
made himself bait and had explosive vest on. And when he got eaten, since it was a slow swallow, slow digest, he would have taken the vest off and crawled out. And then it would have exploded. That would have been the 8990s version, also, which that would thing, have sucked. That thing was huge. And I don't even know if you exploded a bomb vest in its esophagus, if that would even kill it. That's why you need a photo bomb. <laughs> That's why you need about big boy. Yeah. Um. So that was, and it was also really convenient that the TMZ reporter was driving an electric bike. Yeah. But also, like, all their cars would shut off too, which I guess is you need the battery to make the spark. So that made sense. I told you this guy would come out here with a non-electric camera. But <laughs> so good. I'm That's not, a great line. I mean, there's a lot of things that I don't that don't really compute too, like. You know, uh, I like I don't I don't know how the electronics were malfunctioning or shutting off or they were losing power, and I get it, but like the power grid and the battery are two completely different mm-hmm. things. They're literally. You sound like that guy AC at Fry's Electronics DC. being like, "Oh, you <laughs> dumb people! You know your battery doesn't die." Hmm. Right. Aliens. So like. So like, and 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 I can't really complain too much because you know aliens. Is it an alien though? Five stars, angel. Five stars. It could be just a kaiju. (laughs) Five stars, angel. Five stars. An undiscovered creature. So that was kind of weird too. Like batteries, power grid. Like, but do you know what was consistent with our understanding of aliens? What's that? I think that praying mantis was in cahoots <laughs> with the aliens. I didn't think of it the Zorax. first time I watched it, but now <laughs> yeah. that I know love and saucers, I'm like, ooh, the yeah. the mantis. I get <laughs> it. Of course, Zorak popped in my head when I saw that mantis on the camera. So funny. Yeah. Uh, I Didn't love we just the... talk about him. Well, aren't mantises like octopuses? Like they're probably like extraterrestrial. It's possible. Yeah. I don't know. I love the um, the shiny helmet the TMZ guy wears. After you've had the incident with the Mylar balloons, after mm-hmm. after you've had the, whatever that lighting check orb thing that set the horse off at the beginning, like this consistency yep. of reflective surfaces setting nature off, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then he gets flipped off the bike, and it's hilarious. He reminded me of like the old uh, Ed Wood style, like Saucer Man. Like, if you watch the old 1940s, yeah. 1950s when Saucer he, Man. When he showed up, I thought the way he appeared had to be an homage to something, but yeah. I didn't know what. Yeah, if you look at, like, the old alien invasion movies from the 50s, they, the creatures in the spacesuits that were, like, not human, they were just guys in, like, Mylar suits. Yeah. So that that's what I thought that was. Because he was even talking weird. He sounded like he was yeah. like, from another planet. So yes. the guy is credited as Ryder Muybridge or Moybridge. Uh, Moybridge, this is from that article on Vox because I, I didn't know this. Uh, Moybridge is the last name of the guy who gets credit for the first guy on Motion a horse picture. movie. Hmm. Not the writer, but the, the white director of that film. Who gets credit yeah. for the earliest thing? So it's definitely we're we're talking about you know 
a lot of things more than just aliens by the time mm-hmm. that guy shows up in the movie. I enjoyed that little expose that she gives uh, Emerald. Yeah. But I thought it was in the wrong place. Like, I know Jordan Peele wanted to give that little tidbit of information that without the black jockey, we might not have motion pictures. Right. But I think it kind of felt forced as she told it. It would have been a better thing to kind of be in a scene where they're maybe sitting around talking about their dad and the history of the the ranch and well, stuff like even it, it, the information's good but i think the scene that they exposed it was already chock full of other shit going on it's it's weird that the that they opened up the safety meeting with it right right well, it was her pitch it's like her go-to pitch right and and it was pop's go-to pitch too because right. you hear it you in hear the video you exactly you hear it in the video and i think that um I don't know. I mean, it's I think necessary, it, but it, I, think I think in the it was, spot where it was. I didn't yeah, like it. The, the spot where it was, I think it was kind of purposeful because without pop, this definitely is different and it's not working. Right. You know what I mean? Well, they so, also wanted to do that prodigal son thing where it's like she clearly, the dynamic between the two of them is kind of like most families. You know, you have the, the kid who stays home, maybe takes over the family business. And yeah. you have the other kids that kind of go off and, oh, I want to go to New York. I want to go to California. I want to be an actor. I want to do this. So, but then something always calls them home, whether it's a funeral or, you know, somebody's sick or they run out of money or whatever it is and they come home. And that's what she was. She didn't want to be connected to that history other than the performance of it. Like she was not feeling it the way yeah, she her said dad it straight up. felt this, it. You know, this is, this is my side. Right. Job. This is my hustle. Yeah. And I there's other things I want to do as opposed to you who you took over dad's business because you had to. Right. And that dynamic through the whole movie was great. And I felt her flip it kind of attitude when she showed up late and then gives that speech that she's not feeling even though she should because it's her it's her lineage. Yes. Uh that was well done. But I just felt like the information she was giving would have been heavier and more heard if it wasn't in that scene because there was also I think it so was, many things I think it was on. on purpose. It didn't it didn't fit there, and I think that was purposeful because when you hear the the father say it later on, I think it was a commercial or TV some some kind of video. Mm-hmm. You hear the audio of him giving the exact same. It's pitch. more heartfelt, and you. And you hear how it's supposed to sound like in a setting where it's appropriate. Right. And it's, it's juxtaposing those two things of what this ranch was and what this ranch is without pop. Right. It's not working. Well, you and there's, I mean? there's a certain... Emerald has a certain amount of ambition for fame that you don't get with OJ at all. Right. Um, no. And that I think when you talk about the you know, subtextual ending of this movie, you know, looking past the big boy balloon and the exploding photobomb, and you get to what is essentially, you know, the brother saving the sister, not only from the alien, but from herself and her own inclination toward this kind of darkness that, you know, without him being able to literally pull the alien away, she's dead. But in the greater scheme of what the movie's trying to say, you know, he pulls her away from 
the same dangers that kill uh, Jupe. Right. That greed. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So there's a guy on on Twitter, and I want to believe, I want to believe that he is related to Frank Mancuso, who made the Jason movies, but I don't think mm. he is. But I'm going to pretend he is just for a moment. His name is Vinny Mancuso. Uh, he is on Twitter as Vinny Mancuso one. And he posted this a while back, uh, back in December. And to talk about the subtext of this movie, we could go on for another hour or I could read you two sarcastic tweets. I'll take the sarcastic tweets, please. <laughs> so this is quoting, uh, Vinny Mancuso on Twitter. Who might be related to Jason Voorhees. I wish he was related to the family that made the Jason movies. Uh, so in asterisks, uh, he says, watches Nope, the movie about a giant monster whose core looks like a camera that hangs over Hollywood and quite literally chews people up and then spits, spits them back out. out. And then in the asterisks, and then <laughs> separately, he says, is this movie even about anything? <laughs> 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 and he follows that tweet. I fucking love this guy. This is how you make fucking tweets, guys. Again, back to the asterisks. Watches the arc of Jupe, a man who barely survived child acting, but feels the allure of fame so strongly that he makes the same irresponsible mistake that the adults around him did as a child with the same disastrous bloody consequences. The cycle continues. Close mm -hmm. out the asterisks. Why was that in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. But then he, he follows that with, uh, guys, nope is a masterpiece. Which I agree with. I, I'm all about that. And then his last, his last one in this chain. Uh, watches Kiki Palmer feed the Hollywood beast a 20-foot-tall cowboy effigy until it explodes. And when the dust settles, what's left is a black man on a horse framed like a Western hero. Mm -hmm. dudes I mean that's the thing about the ending right it's he's in I think you're just gonna have to remember with Jordan Peele movies that he's not gonna go for the perfect visual Hollywood ending he's gonna give you the ending he needs to make his point honestly hearing that makes a lot more that whole analogy of Hollywood Hollywood is is it's it's spot on and that makes a lot of sense now. The chews them up, spits them out, like all that is is exactly probably what this movie's about. Yeah, and that's it, why kind of, we were talking about during Edward Scissorhands with yeah with and Tim Burton and what's his name um and OJ looking like a Western hero at the end is foreshadowed by the pitch. Yep, the two seconds of the guy, the black jockey on a horse. Yep. Yeah. And when I was saying just a minute ago, Emerald being pulled back from the allure of fame, it's like, it's, it's more than he just saved her from the alien, but it's like a good brother keeping her away from Hollywood. Hollywood. Mm -hmm. No, that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I, I, I love this movie now. Yes. So <laughs> I thought you would, I thought this is the movie that once Travis hones in on the, this Hollywood chew him up, spit him out thing. I thought that was the way in for you. So welcome. Watch it again. It's yeah. fucking good. Second watch is just as good uh, because 
now that you've got that in your mind, you can see all the times leading up to it that the use of the word spectacle is a pejorative, you know? Right. That's why I jokingly said spectacular earlier, because that's, I mean, it's literally fucked up spectacle. You can't turn, the shoe is vertical, but we can't stop looking at the monkey eating the lady's face. Right. I never stopped looking at the shoe. Can we talk about the freaking <laughs> stall scene? Oh my God. Because that, that affected me. <laughs> Actually, like, can I tell you something, just a little thing about the shoe first? Okay. Because when I was watching it, the first, because there's a couple of flashbacks to the scene with uh, the monkey. And it's an ape, but yeah. The chimp. <laughs> so, and the first time I saw the shoe, and I was like, that's odd. And that's what made me think there's like a connection between something being present, like something extraterrestrial being present that is making the monkey go crazy. Mm-hmm. And the shoe is standing up. So I'm like, okay, so the shoe is standing up is like symbolizing there's something else going on here, right? And then when they do the longer version where you actually get the the monkey approaching Jupe under the table, the shoe is in the background the entire time. Yep. And you can see it mm-hmm. clearly. And I and the monkey is approaching and I'm looking, staring at the shoe. <laughs> I'm waiting for literally the shoe to drop. Right. And the monkey to go back to being its regular normal monkey self. Right? Right. And they don't give you that because they give you a headshot. They, they give you the headshot. Shoot right. that monkey. I mean it's a but chimp, right? After the headshot, these after are not the interchangeable terms, but we are going to use them as such for yeah. What's that? But after the headshot, you don't see the shoe. Right. You don't see it still standing up. You don't see it down. It's just left open. There's no... You don't see it. So mm-hmm. when you say, like, there's this... When Dan says that, this, you know, the spectacle is the is the shoe, but you can't stop looking at the, the monkey, I never stopped looking at the shoe. Hmm. So... Maybe that says something about me. That's interesting. See, I was looking around that whole scene because the audio of it is enough. Like, you don't even have to watch what's going on. You can just hear it. Yeah. The sound design in this movie is ridiculous. So good. But the, uh, that's when I caught the applause sign. That's when I, like, all these different things that you, and the the Mylar balloon looked like a skull. Like, all those things, I started looking around. I'm like, all right, is there a lot of symbolism? What's going on in the scene? Because yeah. I know the movie's about aliens. What the hell is this scene? It obviously means something. Which later on we find out it's setting up the Jupe character and, and turning him into what he is. And now that Dan said that part, it makes it even more sense. The whole child actor, like all well, that stuff the is cycle just, continuing yeah, the cycle and is all ridiculous. That. And that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, still doesn't get me past the... Bob's big boy, but it's so brilliant. Photo <laughs> bomb. <laughs> Photo bomb. <laughs> but yeah, that that I'm gonna watch that scene probably about ten more times just to see what else is in there. Yeah. Speaking of scenes that, again, that we need to rewatch, the barn or the stables. <sighs> yeah, dude. When that light came back on, I was like, "What the?" F-? And then. Uh, the uh, then OJ reaches down to pull out his cell phone. Come mm-hmm. to find out, 
I 100% thought he had a sidearm. Right. And he was going to shoot whatever that was. Right? And I'm like, well, it can't be his sister. She's asleep on the couch. Like, and I'm trying, and I'm, I'm going through this. Was that done purposely? But like, is it a commentary on, I might be digging pretty deep and grasping what, at straws like, here, but the, you public, know. Public grabbing a phone instead of no, protection? No, <laughs> I'm thinking of what is the guy grabbing for? I'm thinking about the relationship between black people and the police. Yeah. Is what I'm thinking. That, of. that I, I think, I think that's probably. Am I? I think that is probably a thing that is supposed to be mined out of that, yeah. Yeah, okay. Do you get what I'm saying, Trav? Like I'd he reaches down he reaches so down to his the... side, to his pocket, and I'm thinking he's gonna pull out a gun. Right. Which is what you know To be fair, that's what a, you would want to do in officer, that situation. You exactly is, that's what I would yeah, George 100%. in the barn would want to pull out a gun. Absolutely. 100%. I think everybody would want to pull out a gun. Those things are fucking <laughs> but, crazy. But what I'm but what I'm getting at is like when a a black suspect reaches down into their pocket to pull out whatever, their wallet, their ID, their keys, whatever, and the police get scared and shoot him by accident. Mhm. Like I think that's a com- like what he's doing there is showing you that No, I I hear you, but I would never have associated that because I wouldn't look at OJ as the suspect in anything. Me like, neither. He's the, he's the authoritative Me figure. Me neither. He's the... But that's why it's even more effective because right. he has no reason. You have no reason to think that he's going to pull out a gun, but you think he is in that I moment. I never thought that. I, I, I did. Yeah, I didn't 100%. even notice. I was more or less so creeped out by the, the Grey's aliens coming at him, the way they were twitching. And there was one, then there was two. There's and like a low out. fidelity quality to that scene too with yeah, the darkness. They're like jerky. Everything seems jerky and fuzzy and out of focus yeah. and whoa. And then when he backs up, when you're the scene you're talking about, I wasn't even looking at him. I was looking at that corner of the fence because I knew something was going to whip around the side there. And when it poked its head out, that's when he pulls his cell phone out and then you see the head poke out like... On his phone, which was, to me, yes. the commentary I was watching was, our society, like, you could go to a, you, you can go to a concert. Like, a friend of mine just posted Tiger Woods hitting a ball at, at, a, at a, you know, golf event. Everybody in the crowd, instead of just watching Tiger Woods, they're all there with their cell phones, and they're, they're recording. Instead of just putting their phone down and living the moment. They're, hold on, watching life through, through their the phone. phone screen. Right. So that's how Whoa, I took it. Mind blown. <laughs> so when when he pulled his cell phone out, it's happening right in front of him. Yeah. And he pulls his cell phone out because they were so obsessed with proof. They wanted proof. Yeah. And the half the movie's about them basically justifying their existence by proving that these things exist. He pulls his cell phone out and starts recording, and that's when you see the the alien's head pop around the corner of the fence post. Mm-hmm. So again, that's that's what's good about art. Because everybody's interpreting it differently. You're seeing commentary one way. I'm seeing commentary another. I never even thought gun. Well, and you're both. Which, it, it's in there, right? Like the tapestry yeah. that yeah. is this movie. We're both right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a, it's a, it's a it's rich, brilliant. rich movie, man. But those things are jerky. And, and the noise they made 
It's like almost like a the predator click, like kind of noise, and it's like, <laughs> and then the one pops his head down. He he, he right hooks it, and then you realize it's a kid. But it's like the fact that the kids did this. <laughs> then you realize who his, their parents are. It's like it, it's all a show. It's all just. I don't know. I, I was just freaked out by that because it reminded me of the only scene in... Well, there's two scenes in Signs that creep me out. The shadow figure on the roof of the house, which is a lot like those figures in the stable. And obviously the uh, the Subruder film Bigfoot walk across between the bushes. Yep. Yeah. So they obviously were... Honestly, I th- there's a lot of signs in this movie too. Like, Oh, yeah. Like at the very swing away at, at the, the end. very end <laughs> when they're when they're trying to figure out how they're gonna get this thing on film, and they're going through like I don't know where the you know it's like oh well the the now I'm trying to find symbolism and everything. It's like well he's not gonna be eating flags again because that really fucked him up. Mm-hmm. It's like well, how do you know? How do you know it's that smart? Right. Like, you know, like maybe it's like a fish. You know, like a fish will swallow it will it will you know eat a a worm on a hook. 10 times out of 10. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not... I don't think intelligence was really the point. Like, it, I think with the Gordy stuff and this creature, they were more or less just saying instinct, instinct, animal instinct. Right. So what I'm, so what I'm trying to get at kind of is like... I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, back to signs. Like, there was a couple of things that they, like, learned about this creature that they're all putting together all at once to come up with their plan to to film it. Like drinking water or kill it? <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, I don't know, it, seems, it seemed really signsy. Hmm. Like, not looking, at it in, not looking at it in the eye and the flags and... Do you remember The Simpsons? Did you guys, did either of you watch The Simpsons? No, I never watched yes. a lot of Simpsons. There's a fantastic Halloween episode from pretty early in the run where all the advertisements come to life. So like the Pep Boys mascots and the giant lard mm-hmm. lad donut guy, all the statues come to life and start attacking the people <laughs> the of Springfield. <laughs> yeah, the advertisements. Uh, advertisements. And so Paul Anka combines forces with uh, Lisa and writes a little song about how you should just don't look you know, just don't look at these advertisements and they'll go away because they're advertisements, right? So if they mm. stop being effective, they'll eventually go away. <laughs> and so that's the whole, <laughs> just don't look, just don't look. And it's it's a little bit of that in this. Yeah. Do, do you think that Jordan Peele wanted to name this movie Don't Look Up, but he couldn't because that other movie had come out about, a, I think it was a 9-11 movie? The timing between the two is pretty funny. Uh, it's one of those huh. weird things where, yeah, you could call this Don't Look Up. That'd be pretty funny. Kind of a spoiler for the end of the movie, but... Yeah. Or no eye contact. It just has the same feel of... Uh, uh, what's the movie with the, the creatures? Uh, the Emily Blunt. Uh, where, oh, uh, the silent one? Yeah, where you have to be quiet. Yeah, a quiet, quiet place. place. Quiet yeah, place. A quiet, quiet place. place. Yeah, uh, that's good shit, too. I do think it's funny, too, t- talking about timing of this movie. Fry's Electronics went out of business in 2021, so, mm. like, they didn't even make it to the movie premiere, as far as I can tell, date-wise. <laughs> that's funny. Oof. 
Five stars, Angel. Uh, last thing that I've got here, guys, and we're going to circle back to the beginning of the movie again now that we've had our Hollywood conversation. I'm not a big Bible guy. Uh, do either of you know the book of Nahum, like the back of your hand? No. Not by the back of my hand, no. No, I don't, I'm not even sure that that's from the Bible. I thought I've was, never even heard of that book. Yeah, I, I thought maybe it was like from from uh, the Quran. Yeah. So because that's not I don't, a, that's I don't not know. a Bible. Can you verse. Google that? Is that it's is that one? The Bible it's or? the seventh book of the twelve minor prophets of the Hebrew Bible. Okay. Uh, okay. So I'm going to read that quote to you again. So, right, so it's for Old Testament stuff. So Nahum, it's Old Testament, but is it? Are all of those twelve books in like the? I don't want to call it the New Bible, but like, are they all in the the Old Testament of the New Bible? Like the Bible uh, that we know. I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not a Bible guy. Uh, do you have your Bible the Old near Testament? You? Lift that thing open. No, Lift book not, of in, not in arms we, reach. We no. Christians like to read the New Testament because that's <laughs> that's that's the ha- the the. Oh no! I, li- I mean, I like the whole thing. The honestly. Old Testament's a little uh, dreary. <laughs> well, and that's oh. the this. Uh, okay, so according to BibleGateway.com, uh, the King oh James Bible does have the Book of Nahum. So, uh, what about the Amer- American Bible? I don't know, man. So anyway, Book of Nahum, I'm not that familiar with it, but let me read the quote to you again. Uh, quote, I will cast abominable filth upon you, make you vile, and make you a spectacle. Now, from what hmm. I've read... The book of Nahum in this part is referring to the city of Nineveh, which was in Assyria. And essentially, it's a prophecy of doom for this city that's rejected God. I'm familiar with Nineveh. Yes, I know about that. So then, taking into account what this movie is saying about the Hollywood experience, Mm. it's very interesting. It's a hell of a movie, guys. It is. Hell of a movie. I originally did not like it. Do you like it now? Yes. Excellent. Yes. What no, do you I, think, I liked it, but I was I felt unfulfilled. So now that I'm getting a lot of the uh, subtext you're talking about, uh, it deserves a second, third, and fourth watch. I think uh, when I first watched it, I would have given it a 7.5 out of 10. Okay. And... Or maybe even an eight, because I didn't like the ending, and I didn't like a lot of the things that kind of like that he needed in order to make the ending work. And you know, it's just kind of like I I would have went out, I would have went about the third act a completely different way. So I would, but everything else in the movie was fantastic. Right. The acting was great, the cinematography, the sound, everything, masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Now that Dan has made sense of it more, and I'm after talking with you guys, it's the there's lots more to it, a lot of symbology there. Um, symbology, yeah, that's from <laughs> Boondock Saints. Gotcha. Um, I think it's gone up to a solid nine. Okay, yeah, it's good, better than Close Encounters. It's a hell of a movie. Uh, for a modern movie, I don't think you can compare them because a lot has happened since Spielberg did it. And this movie is less about aliens and more about uh, 
saying something. Right. You know what I mean? Making a statement. So I think they're two different movies. Although I mean, Close Encounters had the same commentary, just from a different sure point of view. It was it was uh, basically people versus government. Y- yeah, it's a different. I think they're two completely different okay. movies, and they shouldn't be compared. Um, All right. I th- I like I like them both. But you see why we made you watch them back to back. Yeah. And well, yeah, one one hundred percent, dude. Kiki Palmer and Daniel Kaluuya. I've seen them in a they're bunch of stuff awesome. now. Every time I see them in stuff, they're playing such vastly cooler, different characters. You know, uh, I don't know if they which, get enough credit for that. The main two, OJ and Emerald. Were, that was OJ and Emerald. Okay. OJ's in all kinds of stuff. In every every role he takes, he is a completely different dude, right? He's in Get Out, and he's in, I don't know if he's in Us. He's in Black he's Panther. In he's in Black Panther. Unrecognizable in his performance. Like, he's just so good. And uh, he's got a good Hot Ones, too, if you like the silly show, Hot Ones. Uh, just cool dude, and I'm glad that he was in this movie, because he really, I thought he carried it. He killed it. Hmm. With a photo bomb. I liked his, I loved his subtleness. Like, he ha, he kind of pulled off that, um, I don't want to, how do I say it without sounding like I'm demeaning that profession, but he reminded me of, like, like a small town gas station like owner like the the guy you t- you bring him your car and he's he knows everything but he just doesn't want small talk like he just doesn't want to talk to you but he's just gonna fix your shit and it's gonna be perfect like he didn't he's he, not he just i don't know that to me just came off as like a person knows his shit but he doesn't know how to really convey yeah he doesn't want to have a conversation i f- i felt like his uh a couple of things about his his personality or his uh his character he's um i think he's very high intelligence because mm-hmm. of the dunning kruger effect which which works both ways um for the listeners that don't know dunning kruger is the uh inability of a low competent competence person to recognize their incompetence so <laughs> And it works both ways. So the highly competent people um, underrate their competence, right, compared to everyone else. So well, he also I think he, he also lacked confidence too, which was... right. So I think he's very smart and he's very competent. And because he falls into that very smart, very competent um, uh, category, he rates his competence lower than it actually is. Right. So that has a lot to do with his like you know looking at the floor when he's trying to give the pitch and just you know and and also his not being surprised by anything was another another yeah. thing that hit me because I'm kind of like that like you know it's things that may, that get people all excited and and up in arms and upset and stuff like that it just for me I'm just like I'm not surprised. Right. Like, that's just how I There's am. There's a giant stingray flying around my farm eating my horses. What, 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 do, I, what do I need to do? Yeah. And, <laughs> and when, you know, when he's, you know, when he's in that truck and the thing is hovering over him. Bleeding all over the place. And he's just like. <laughs> that's awesome. He's just like, you know, kind of. I don't want to say like accepted his fate, but like 
he's like, there's nothing I can do, so I'm going to do nothing. And that is... Until he realizes he, he can signal them to come to the car. Right. So it's, you know, he's, I, I just say, highly competent and has the personality of a highly competent person. And uh, he's just not surprised by anything. And right. just, maybe he's gotten burned by getting excited about stuff before. You know? Plus, and just, he's and just, the balance because he's the complete opposite like, of her. Like, like to give you, to give you a candy. for instance, like in my life, if I get a new job, I don't tell anyone. I'll give my employer two weeks' notice. I mean, this is this is like real life. Give my employer my two weeks' notice, and I don't tell anyone except for my wife that I'm starting a new job until the day I start the new job, because mm-hmm. like. If it didn't have, like, if it just like fell through, it wouldn't surprise me. Right. You know, like that's, and that's how he acts. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of, I, I don't want to say like negative, but just, you know, ready for anything, but not excited by anything. Okay. Ready to be disappointed. <laughs> Maybe that's a Philly thing. It's the opposite of my son, who I tell all the time, you're, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. <laughs> for, yeah. Yeah. He sees the... Very high... Uh, high expectations. Yeah. Low results. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, dude, I never got excited about it because I knew it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Hell of a movie. And just as good on the second and third watch. I gotta I'll probably watch it pretty frequently here for a while. Because man, it still gives me the heebie jeebies. <laughs> those those couple of scary scenes don't get less scary on repeat viewings. They're just so well done. Well, I think that I, I think I said that. Like to me, it felt like two different movies. It was so creepy visually, like the the ambiance of the the horses hearing them basically being digested from the air and like the, just all the dark scenes, the night scenes were just really eerie. But then when you get towards the end, it's like bright out. It's beautiful. It's sunny. You have this angel, angelic creature flying around. You know, it it just felt like two different movies. So very Jordan Peele. And then all of a sudden it just becomes like a regular you know, popcorn film for about 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. But a lot of it is just like horror in daylight, which is interesting. Yeah. You know, and under yeah. the studio, the hot studio lights, right. That blow up that Mylar balloon. Uh, mm. The most horrific scene in this movie, the two most horrific scenes in this movie, barring the it's alien bright. happen in broad daylight. Yeah. Which is. Yeah. The, the chimpanzee stuff is all just really brightly lit. It's like American werewolf, like that, that transformation scene. Yeah. yeah, ballsy. Right yeah. in front of you. Mm. So good. Well, I think we I think we covered this movie pretty well. Yeah. Now, yeah. what um, are we watching next? Yeah. What are we watching next? Well, and it's a very interesting question, because as our regular listeners have noticed, we kind of circled the wagons there for a little bit, and 
took us a long time to get this episode out. Now, we haven't really figured out a schedule for when we'll return to our regular releases. Uh, Everything's a little crazy these days as we continue our spring hiatus, but we didn't want to wait any longer because I think we all agreed that the Nope episode deserved to be heard as soon as possible. You can tell from the F-22 shooting down a balloon reference how long it took us to get this sucker edited and out to you fine people. So I don't really know what our next movie is, and it will be a little while, probably, before we uh, figure that out ourselves. So, for now, keep an eye on the feed for any updates, and jump back. Listen to a couple of classics. Listen to RoboCop again. Listen to Psycho. Listen to George so early in his development, and then come back, listen to the more recent stuff, and listen to how much he's grown, guys. We're doing the Lord's work, or at least we're doing the work that any older brother should do and should have done for George 30 years ago. So for now, we'll see you when we see you. Thank you for listening to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. As always, you can find us at facebook.com slash remedialfilmpod. Feel free to drop us an email, remedialfilmpod at gmail.com. Let us know how you're doing. And we'll be back soon.